How's everyone doing? Welcome back to the latest episode of Head of the Pack. We're coming to you, well, I'm coming to you from my bed in Green Bay. I didn't go to New Orleans tonight, uh, obviously, because of COVID restricting our travel and everything. But the Packers with a huge 37-30 win over the Saints. And I, I call it huge. Maybe that's an overreaction. But given the way they beat the Vikings and Lions, which are clearly two of the worst teams in the NFL, this game was important, even though the Saints lost to the Raiders last Monday night, uh, because it was a better litmus test for what kind of team the Packers actually are. Yes, it helped that there were no fans in the stands, but I think we got a better idea of who the Packers actually are this year, and that's a team that can win any game with their offense, no matter how bad their defense plays. And, you know, I know it's only three games, but I don't think it's an overreaction to say there's no reason that fans of this team shouldn't believe that they can't win a Super Bowl this year. Is that an overreaction, Bill? Um, no, I think that's right about on, on base there. You know, I think we talked about this after or during last week's podcast where, yeah, they beat Minnesota, yeah, they beat Detroit, but you know, let's see what happens when they play a real team with some real cornerbacks and a real defense and see if all this stuff translates, and it does. Um, yeah, their defense has some flaws, but when they when they needed to make some plays, they did. And that, to me, is the hallmark of a really good team. Yeah, I agree. And I think that we'll go through. I have five topics I want to touch on before we get to some of your guys' questions. Um, number one is Aaron Rodgers' hard count. We're probably going to talk about it after every game they play in an away stadium because he gets them every single time. And, you know, late in the game, Packers are up 30-27 to 27 in the red zone, and it was 3rd and 3, I believe. Play clock running down, and I think it was with only one second left on the play clock, he gets Demario Davis, who's an all-pro outside linebacker, one of the best linebackers in football, um, to jump off sides. And on the same play, on the free play, you get a defensive pass interference. I believe it was on Janoris Jenkins, if I'm not mistaken, in the end zone on Alan Lazard. So you get the ball at the one, and and you score later in the drive on a bootleg to Robert Tanyan. This hard count is an absolute weapon. And say what you will about, oh, well, it wouldn't happen during a regular season because there are fans. It's a level playing field for pretty much everyone this year. And no fans in Minnesota, no fans in New Orleans. Jason Wildey made this joke to Rodgers on on the post-game Zoom, (laughs) but Rodgers has to be angling Roger Goodell to not allow fans in any stadium for the rest of the year. It's amazing. And you had me thinking the same thing, Matt. So it's third and three. And I'm thinking, man, they better get a first down here. Otherwise, they're going to go kick a field goal. They're going to be up six. And the Saints are going to go down and win a football game with a touchdown. That's what I'm thinking. I thought the exact same thing. That's probably what you're thinking. I'm guessing 80% of our listenership is thinking the same thing. It's huge. And it comes into play in these key moments where the defense has got to be just a little bit extra amped, right? Because it's it's, maybe it's not do or die, but it is a huge play. And Riders beats him on it, and he, like Riders takes advantage of that extra juice. Um, and you're right; it is a level playing field. Kirk Cousins didn't draw the Packers offside. Matthew Stafford did not draw the Packers offside. It is only Aaron Rodgers drawing the other guys offside. And, and maybe that's because I know Kingsley Kiki talked about it a little bit when we talked to him after the game. Like they have practice against the best hard counter in the league, and maybe that's why they don't jump offside. But I do think part of it is just because no one does it like Rodgers does it. And uh, I think that'll obviously be a weapon for the Packers all year. Something else that'll be a weapon for them 
is this newfound depth they have among their pass catchers. They've played five games without Devontae Adams in their past, let's see, 18 games last season, three this season. So they've played five games without Devontae Adams in their past 21 games. Four last year because of turf toe, one this year because of the hamstring. They're 5-0 and and averaging 33.4 points per game. That, I mean, that's absurd. And tonight it was Alan Lazard. Tonight it was Robert Tanyan, Mercedes Lewis, even Jace Sternberger. I mean, th- this team just shows, say what you will about drafting a wide receiver, whatever, but Devin Funches opts out. They don't draft a wide receiver. Their tight ends aren't producing the first couple weeks. And now here they are, and they go put up 37 points on the Saints without their best wide receiver. Don't you think they need to trade Adams for like a second round pick in 2022? I mean, that's that's the player, <laughs> they right? might be better off. I don't know. You <laughs> might you might be onto something there. It's probably a wash. No Adams and no Michael Thomas. I mean, it's probably you know, it's probably a draw. But you know, I wrote about it in my preview. At least the Saints had Emmanuel Sanders and Jared Cook. I mean, who the hell do the Packers have? I mean, yeah, Lazard's a decent player. Well, what do I know? I mean, clearly, clearly, I'm undervaluing these guys. I'm, I'm and I totally undervaluing a year two of an offense. Um, I didn't see it coming, Matt. Did, did you? Did you think they could go out and score thirty-seven against these guys with no with no, with no Devontae Adams? No, I mean, I think we heard so much about the cliches of year two in the offense, more comfortable, you know, more time with the floor that we just thought, oh, all right, like it, it is what it is. But that seems to be a real difference. Like for as much as Rogers has talked about the flow of the play calling and being able to read Lafleur's mind. And just being more comfortable, whether it's with the play calls or trusting guys in this offense that he's throwing to, I really do think there is something to year two in the offense. And yeah, I didn't expect them to go out and put 37 on the Saints. I predicted Saints 28, Packers 24, especially without Devontae. But you look at it, I I thought what Marquez Valdez-Scantling tweeted after the game was funny. He said, boy, that 1-7 coverage ain't no joke. They treated MVS like Devontae, and Rodgers even touched on it a little bit in his post game that they took him away. They had to really respect the kind of vertical threat he was. Um, I believe MVS didn't have a catch on, well, he had one catch for five yards on four, for five on yards, four right. targets and, and drew that penalty in the end zone. So he was really a non factor. They took him away, but they, they were still able to, to make things happen. And that not only goes to. I think two things. Roger's ability to get the best out of whoever he has to throw to, whether it's me, you, our producer, Danielle. He Maybe could you. Pro- he could probably still put up 30 with us three out there. But um, And also, credit to the depth of these guys. I mean, they show up when Devontae isn't there like they did last season, and, and it was pretty impressive to see. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned the year two sounded like a cliché. I you know, I went back and looked at it during the offseason, and you know you you take the year two offenses um, generally speaking over I think it was like the last six years I looked at offensive productive offensive productivity actually went down I mean there were some teams that were better but by and large it was a slight decrease in scoring so I I, I did I did think it was a cliche I do think that players win games and apparently and it, everybody knows this but great quarterbacks lift everybody else on their shoulders. I mean, we've seen it with Tom Brady over the years with some of the lackluster receiving cores he's had with the Patriots. And that's what Rodgers is doing here. This, this is a great football player um, lifting everybody else up on because of he is just so unbelievably good. Yeah. 887 passing yards, nine touchdowns, no interceptions through the first three games. 
say what you want about Russell Wilson. He's a damn good quarterback, and he probably is in, in the early lead for MVP. But whenever you hear Aaron Rodgers talk about this offense, he says it's not the same or really even close to similar as the 2011 and 2014 offenses just by design. But in terms of high octane and, and putting up points, those are probably the two closest comparisons. You could probably attest better to that since you were here for those years and I was still in high school. But um, <laughs> those two years, Rodgers won MVP. And and I wouldn't put it past him to do the same this year. I, I want to move on to uh, the defense a little bit, touch on that side of the ball. Something about this defense is... has to be maddening to Packer fans. It was kind of the same case last year, too, especially in the second half of the year. You know, they started off last season with allowing less than 20 points in three straight games. This year, it's the opposite. But for as bad as they are at times, and that play where they missed six tackles on Alvin Kamara had to be one of the worst defensive sequences in NFL history. I mean, the dude was walking downfield, and they were bouncing off him like pinballs diving at air. I could have scored on that play. But for as bad as they have been at times, and for as clueless as Mike Pettin has looked putting in Will Redmond over a corpse out there would honestly be better. The corpse of Josh Jackson or Raven Green or Tremont Williams. Tremont Williams. (laughs) Seriously, call Tremont Williams. They may, for as for as much as all those things have to madden, be maddening for, for Packer fans, this defense makes plays when they need to most. And the two instances I can think of, and I'll let you expand upon these, are Zedarius Smith's strip of Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill, of course, and his recovery when it's 27-27 and you think the Saints are just going to march down and take the lead. And then Chandon Sullivan's big third down tackle on Alvin Kamara. And what a treat Sullivan has been, um, not only last season, but this season. What do you think of just the way the Packers defense played tonight and how they stepped up when they needed to most. You know, this is actually a really good segue into what we're just talking about with the 2011 offense where, you know, that defense wasn't very good either, but the, but the Packers offense was so great. They, they finished third all time in scoring that year. It was so great that the defense just needed to get a stop or two and it would be a blow up because, you know, it'd be say it's, it's 21, 17 green Bay. Well, they finally get a punt or they get a turnover, and then they score again, and now it's twenty-eight to seventeen, and it would just snowball because now now the other team's got to throw the ball, and that would play in the hands of that defense. It's kind of the same here; they just need to get a stop or two, and then the offense scores. And I mean, it didn't quite work out that way tonight. I mean, it wasn't a two-score game, but you just got to get a couple stops, and this offense is so good. That's all. It, that's all they need. Um, my question, to you, Matt, is. Is it bad that they're playing this way, or is it good that, hey, at least they're winning games, and at this point, Zadarius Smith hasn't done a whole lot. Preston Smith has done almost nothing. Kenny Clark has missed, what, two and a half games? Mm-hmm. Um, Christian Kirksey's done nothing. Um, they haven't got a lot of turnovers, so it seems like there's there's a lot of upside here. So should you look at the, half, the uh, glass half full or the glass half empty? Honestly, I think you got to look at it as half full because, and here's how I look at it. The defense can't get much worse. No. And they've been pretty bad through three games. You know, they were good for most of the Lions game and for most of the Vikings game, but they've allowed 34, 21, and 30. That's not good. That's not a Super Bowl defense, but you have to take away from these three games that no matter how bad your defense plays for, for long stretches, 
your offense is good enough to win you any game. And this is an offensive league. And as much as people say defense wins championships, look who won nah. the Super Bowl. Look who won the Super Bowl last year over a team that had a really good defense, the 49ers. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs won that Super Bowl. Offense wins you Super Bowls. Um, and the Packers have an offense, at least in the early going of this season, that looks like it can do that. You know, defense will come around. It's tough if you lose Kirksey. I know he missed most of the game tonight with that shoulder injury. You, you hate to see that just because of what he's been through the last two years and and only playing nine games, and he plays every snap this season up until that injury. So we'll see what happens there. Rashawn Gary left the game with an ankle injury. Kenny Clark's out. Um, you got Jonathan Garvin, Oren Burks, Ty Summers playing key minutes down the stretch. I mean, they played well for the most part, but you never want to see that if you're a Super Bowl defense. So a lot of a lot of stuff still up in the air for this defense. But if anything, I think my main takeaway is that the offense can win them any game regardless. I mean, I was watching from home, as were you. Every time the camera pans over to Rodgers, he has that look on his face when the defense is on the field, like, I'm going to have to score every damn drive. But guess what? He can. And he showed that he can. You look at the scores. I'm just looking at the scores of this week's games. There's the no, team de- scored there's in the no 30s. defense played in this league. No, there's not. The winning team scored in the 30s in 10 out of 15 games. And I saw... I follow some of the gam- some of the casinos on Twitter, and it's, at one point I think the the over was eight and one, like through the first half of the, or the, through the uh, the noon games today. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just scoring that everybody's scoring, and, and I don't know if the defenses are going to settle in um, once they get. You know, this is kind of their preseason, so to speak, just based on games. Maybe they'll settle in and it'll kind of revert back to normal, or maybe nah. maybe this is just today's NFL where you're just going to have to score a bunch of points and. Maybe Green Bay's defense isn't really that bad. It's just kind of the way it is in the league these days. Yeah, I mean, if you bet the under in a Packers-Saints game, you're just a moron. And (laughs) for any game for that matter, I I think, especially with the way the league's going today. Um, But I wouldn't know. I don't gamble. Uh, No. (laughs) Never. Um, Let's get into some... Actually, before we get into some reader questions, I want one line from you on each of these guys because... I think they deserve some recognition for how they played tonight. Um, Kingsley Kiki, no Kenny Clark, two sacks, kind of set the tone early, uh, got the most pressure really out of anyone who rushed the passer, and, and he got the zoom treatment after the game. I think that's good for the Packers to know, because I, I know this is more than one line, but I said entering this season, they don't do anything on the defensive line externally. They run it back with Tyler Lancaster and Dean Lowry. Their only hope is Kingsley Kiki because yep. he didn't play enough last season to know what he has. You know what Montrevious Adams has. You know Lancaster and Lowry have reached their peak. Their saving grace is uh, the hope that Kiki improves. And tonight showed that he really has. Absolutely right. I go back to Mike Pettin last year raving about Montrevious Adams. <laughs> This offseason, he raved about Kingsley Kiki. Ding, 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 ding. So that's my one-liner. He got it. Next, Mason Crosby. I mean, 52, 49, 33. The guy is is ice this year. He's 7 for 7 on field goals, hasn't missed an extra point. And I think in this day's NFL, a solid kicker kind of goes underappreciated, but Aaron Rodgers never fails to mention how big Crosby is to this team, and he was again tonight. When you're not a great team, you need your kicker. You, you can't you can't leave points in the field. The Packers are not a great team. You can't leave points in the field, and Crosby has left zero on the field. He's been 
He's been absolutely fantastic. And I I, I think you got to point to J.K. Scott's holds, too. Yes. Because Hunter Bradley is not exactly Mr. Automatic, and Scott's been really good. I agree. Next guy, Ty Summers. Kirksey goes down. Ty Summers hasn't played a defensive snap in his career since the Packers took him as a 2017 or a 2019 seventh rounder, I should say. And apart from that bad missed tackle on Alvin Kamara's run, I thought he really covered the width of the field nicely. And he has to wear the green dot against the Saints. I know there's no fans, but uh, on the road in, in his first real snaps ever on defense. And I thought he did a nice job just from my, my first glance of it. Yeah, that is a tough spot to be a middle linebacker because you're calling the checks against Drew Brees. Right. You know, I mean, that that is a a mental mismatch, and I'm not <laughs> criticizing Ty Summers. It's just Drew Brees has got who knows how many thousands of snaps the guy's play. He has seen everything. Um, you think you figure he's just got a huge advantage over Summers from that perspective? I thought he played fairly well, all things considered. Yep. And the last guy I want to single out, um, Robert Tanyan, or or really let's let's go tight ends as a whole: Tanyan, Sternberger, and Lewis. Everyone knows this team hasn't had a dynamic number one tight end or pass catching tight end since Jermichael Finley, I would say. Would you agree? Even him, though. I mean, fans talk wistfully about him now. They didn't back when he played. He dropped a lot of passes okay. back it, in the day. But, but yeah, he, I mean, this is, you know, other than, you know, flitting instances of Jared Cook in 2016. Yeah, yeah. this is, yeah, I mean, they've been looking, they've been dying for a tight end. And, they don't need to have one if they get kind of the bits and pieces contributions like they did tonight, especially with Adams out. Tanyan goes five for 50 in a touchdown. Grandpa Mercedes Lewis is, is out there for uh, one catch and 18 yards and a touchdown. Jay Sternberger, who had two brutal drops last week, Rodgers goes back to him for three catches and 36, three big catches, I should say for 36 big yards late in the game that that set them up for some scoring opportunities. So some really good signs from the tight end position tonight, I thought. Yeah, how many of those little bootlegs? I don't even think oh bootlegs is the right word. I think keeps is what they call them. I mean, they just kept faking the hand off the Jones or Williams, and Rodgers would take two or three steps to his right, and there was Robert Tanya open by 15 yards and piling up yak like crazy. <laughs> it's uh, You know, I got to say, you're a pretty good athlete. How many catches would you have had tonight? Yeah, I think I, you had just listen, as many. Bill, maybe not as maybe not the many, as many yards, but probably as many catches. Bill, I, I I appreciate your kindness, but I wouldn't go to say I, I'm a good athlete. You know, I'm a good role player in the Green Bay, you know, men's league. But besides that, <laughs> it's not great. I probably still could have had a couple. Um, <laughs> hey, what what did you, what, did you, what, what what did you think about the right side of the line? Because I was surprised that they went the way yes, they did. Yeah, I was too. Um, I'm no O-line expert, but I thought Rick Wagner played pretty admirably in the last game mm-hmm. plus since he had to come in against the Vikings and when he played at right tackle all of week two against the Lions. I was surprised they went with Lucas Patrick and Billy Turner at right tackle. But listen, this the Packers might have the best offensive line in the league. They've only surrendered two sacks. Did, did you hear the name Cameron Jordan called once? He's an all-pro. I, I think he yeah. had he had like 14 and a half sacks last year or something, probably more than that. And I don't I'd have to watch the game back and see if David Bakhtiari was matched up with him, but David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins are the best left side of an offensive line in the league. Corey Lindsley might be one of the most underrated centers in the league. Lucas Patrick's, you know, not the best player on the line, but him and Billy Turner for for as bad as Billy Turner was last season, him and Patrick I I thought 
played pretty well tonight. And, and, you know, they didn't really get the running game going, but just in terms of giving Rodgers time in the pocket, he was never really scrambling for his life. And the Saints' defensive line is not too shabby, so I have to give the O-line a lot of credit. Yeah, no doubt. Jordan is generally a left-side rusher, which means he probably, again, I need to watch it too, but I assume he saw Turner for most of his snaps. Right, exactly. Um, looking at the game book now, one solo tackle, three assisted tackles, no quarterback hits. I don't care who's matched up against him. It's even more impressive if he's up against Turner because, you know, you expect Bakhtiari to handle that matchup or at least split it. And, and Turner kind of handling him like that, if that was the case, again, we'll go back, back and watch the tape. That That's even more impressive. Yeah, I, I, I would have thought Wagner was the guy, but yeah, they, uh, I'm no old line expert either. Yeah, and maybe one day I'll get my bachelor's degree in O-line play, but um, let's get to some questions. We'll zip through five of them from you guys before we get out of here because uh, your Monday morning commute is probably coming to an end right now. So let's get to this one. Obviously, having Kirksey off the field hurt, but it gave more snaps to Barnes, who I think has become a solid, dependable player. What are the chances Barnes is playing more snaps than Kirksey by the end of the year? This is from Benny. Benny Boy 209. Thanks for the question, Benny. I think the inside linebacker position was one of a lot of uh, interest entering this season, if that's the right way to put it. And Kirksey came in as an injury-prone guy, and unfortunately for him, that label might be catching up to him again. I think Kirksey is going to be the guy if he's healthy. I don't think Barnes is going to outsnap him if both of them are healthy, but what Kirksey's injury does, if there is any light to take out of it is that if these injuries do happen and he isn't your long-term answer at inside linebacker, you get a really good look at what you have in Ty Summers and uh, Chris Barnes. Oren Burks isn't the answer at inside linebacker. I mean, they're playing him at outside linebacker uh, because he just doesn't have it on the inside. But I think if anything, you, you can see that Chris Barnes and Ty Summers can for the most part handle their own. I I like kind of like, and I need to watch it again too. But I I thought Summers was pretty active in the passing game. I I know I gave up some catches. I know he missed one of the tackles on Kamara's play, but yeah. Um, I I thought I thought he showed a lot of lateral agility there, and you know that has been the Achilles heel, Blake Martinez, of this defense for quite a while is coverage against running backs, and I I did I do think Summers is pretty active in that in that role. Yeah, I agree. Cecilia J. Bugface. Oh, I'm just scrolling through. Cecilia asked one last week, so we'll get yeah. to we'll get who, to one. Who could, who could forget Bugface? Bugface. Um, <laughs> why are we getting so much Will Blackman? Is Raven Green not fully healthy yet? And I know you mean Will Redmond by that, so I'll I'll answer it that way. That's a great question. Will Redmond mm-hmm. is an absolute liability, and what confuses me is maybe Raven Green is is not what Mike Patton thought he was when you know he anticipated him coming back. But we listened to Mike Pettin say on multiple occasions last year that after Raven Green's season-ending ankle injury in Week 2 against the Vikings in 2019, that forced him to play a lesser player. And Will Redmond at that dime linebacker position or slot position, whatever you want to call it. And we heard him talk this preseason about getting Raven back is going to be really good for the defense because he's a natural there. Will Redmond is playing way more than Raven Green is. And, and we know how much Mike Patton likes to play extra DBs in the diamond nickel. And Will Redman is not only a tackling liability, but on that touchdown pass to Emmanuel Sanders at the end of the first half, he kind of just lets it go over his head. And I'm not saying he would have jumped five feet in the air to get it, but he at least could have tried. Yeah. You know, he, 
he played a lot. If you might, if you recall last year around midseason, um, when Green went out, then they tried Amos for a while, and that didn't go so well. Then I think Redmond got the next shot at it, and I mean he missed so many tackles last year. I mean we've seen that again. I mean he that Kamara long touchdown. Ugh. I mean that should have been like a loss of four. Should have been a loss of I mean, four. Yeah, I mean Redmond having the backfield and just couldn't make the play. Um, man, I I don't see it either. I realize that he was a college corner and came into the NFL as a corner. So you got some versatility there, but I mean, I asked Petten about it back in August, if they had some enough depth of, if green went down and I, I'm not seeing it either. I, I don't know. I honestly, I have no idea why green's not playing, but that's, that's not working real well. Yeah, it's not. Next one from Kyle Armstrong. And a lot of people love talking about this guy. How long are they thinking they need to wait to play Jordan Love? Because Rodgers looks good right now, and we completed one pass to a wide receiver outside of Lazard tonight. Just throwing that out there. Um, I don't know if that's saying... This is a tough one to answer, because I think there's a chance Aaron Rodgers is playing quarterback for a different NFL team next season. That would be organizational malpractice if they did that. The dude still clearly has plenty left. Um, I'm not saying the Jordan Love pick is a bad pick. It's way too soon to say that. We can say it was a questionable pick, but we can't draw a conclusion on it yet because if Rodgers gets hurt and Tim Boyle doesn't cut it and you go to Love and Love wins games, then it's a great pick, but we just don't know yet. I also would not be shocked if Jordan Love never plays a snap for the Green Bay Packers because Aaron Rodgers keeps this up for another three years and the, and the Packers say, well, we like another quarterback that's coming out better and we can get something in return for Love, even if it's just a third or fourth round pick. I, I could see that happening. So I really don't know what is going to happen with Jordan Love. I think everyone right now just needs to take a deep breath, count to three, and enjoy the guy you have playing quarterback right now because it's a sight to see instead of worrying about when the next quarterback is going to play. Yeah, I think they'll know about Love by the end of the season. I think they'll have a pretty decent handle on it, because Getsy will be able to judge his mechanical progress and feel for the playbook. And you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. And, and I asked, I never quite got a straight answer. I don't, I don't know if, if Love is running the scout team solo or if it's him and Boyle splitting those reps. But, I mean, those are big reps. This is you're running your mechanics against the number one defense. If you can make plays against your number one defense, then that shows that you're a good player. And if you're getting your lunch handed to you by the number one defense, then you have to worry, if, then you have to wonder if you, if you made a mistake on it. So I, I will, I think the team will have a pretty decent feel for it by December. Um, when will they make the move? I, I don't, I mean. Not this year. <laughs> sal- yeah, sal- I mean, salary cap wise makes sense. It would be 2022 would be the, be the most sense, but. Um, if the guy can't play, they're not going to make a move. So a lot, a lot of this is in up to Jordan Love and how he develops here these next four months. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a good question from Matt Schultz. Great first name, by the way. It is. Yep. Are, are teams coming up with a plan for Z and Preston, or why haven't they had as much impact so far? I think what we're seeing, Z's numbers are there. You know, two sacks through three games, the the huge force fumble, but not as much consistent pressure, I would agree. And we all know that Mike Smith likes pressures more than sacks, and you know, Preston Smith, I think, is a liability in coverage, and he's had, what, one and a half sacks this year? 
Well, they might end up with better numbers this year. We just haven't seen, like I said, that consistent pressure. They, they don't always seem to be making the quarterback run for their life. And I'd have to really go back and watch the film, but just on first glance from watching every snap this team's played this year is people know who the Smiths are now. You know, we saw them show out at the beginning of last season because nobody knew who they were. Like, I, there was some replays of Zedarius tonight. They're chipping him. You know, Grant, he's going against Teron Armstead and Ryan Ramchick. It's probably the best pair of tackles in the league. So don't expect them to take over the game tonight. But I think just in general, teams are devoting a lot more attention to the Smiths, at least so far. Um, And I think you'll continue to see that because everyone saw last season what they can do. And, And that's why it's so important that Rashawn Gary and Jonathan Garvin and Randy Ramsey when he's healthy and the guys on the interior generate more push because the Smiths aren't going to be able to take over games like they did last year with single coverage. Yeah, I, I think Clark's absence is a role there too um, because he was so good. And, but, you know, also, how many times is the quarterback thrown deep? Obviously, you know, that's not Breeze's the, thing. The, but the, I don't oppo- recall the opposing Staff- quarterback? Yeah. Yeah. I don't recall Stafford doing it a whole bunch. Um, I don't recall... Cousins, well, I guess he did in garbage time, but I, I think the fear of the Smiths probably impacts the the opponent game plan. It makes them throw a little bit quicker. That would be that'd be my two thoughts on that. Yeah, I agree, and I think a lot of times we saw Breeze kind of step up in the pocket, and it looked like he was about to throw deep, but then he gives the defense extra time to uh, close down on him. And you know, I thought Breeze played pretty well tonight, but. Like we've talked about, he's never really been a, a gun-it-down-the-field guy, and tonight was no different. And I think the Packers' ability to generate some pressure to kind of make him step up in the pocket off the edge or from the edge and then get some interior pressure with Kingsley Kiki and and Z from that rover spot and Lowry and Lancaster I thought was good enough. You know, it's probably not going to be good enough every game, but it was good enough tonight. Bill, you got a question or two? I do, um, I th- because doctors are great. Dr. Stevens, I'm not sure what kind of doctor he is. He's uh, a football he's a doctor. Football doctor or Dr. Pepper. He, he does want to know, do you think that a tight end will emerge as the main guy of the group, or will it be this tight end by committee approach season long? That's a great question. It is a great question. You're a doctor of questions. I like that. You know, I don't see Mercedes Lewis emerging as a pass catcher if they can get something like they did from him tonight uh, every couple of weeks. That's great. You know, he was uh, he was ready to quit football after the 2018 season because he just didn't see a role for himself here. And Brian Gutekunst saved, I say saved him, but I think I remember Jason Wilde writing about this, and Bill, you probably did too how Mercedes was driving on his way to the airport to leave Green Bay for the offseason, didn't think he'd ever be back, and Gutekunst gives him a call, be like, come back, and convinced him to sign. And, and it's nights like tonight where they're thankful for that. He also had a great block on Aaron Jones' first touchdown run. I think he's going to stay in that role of kind of make a nice catch every every couple games, but he's in there for his blocking, and we know that, and he knows that. I think Tanyan is probably the biggest candidate to emerge, if that's the word we're using here as a pass catcher. Um, Jace needs to have a couple more games like tonight before Rodgers really trusts him with, with a lot downfield. But I, I would say Tanyan. And Tanyan probably isn't going to be a Travis Kelsey or a Darren Waller or a George Kittle, but 
he's a solid red zone threat. And we saw tonight, he had a couple nice first downs and yards after catch. And, you know, as another undrafted guy, you're on bonus time with him right now. And, and if you get a couple more games like you did from him tonight, I think the Packers will take 550 and a touchdown from Tanya whenever they can get it and be more than happy with it. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I'll go with the tight end by committee here too. Um, I, you know, we talked about it last week. I, I wasn't sure Sternberg would ever see the light of day again. And now yep. he's probably played himself back into things and, and DeGuar will be back here at some point. Um, it, it could be a hot hand sort of thing. It could I, be, I forgot about DeGuar. <laughs> yeah. It, it could be kind of a matchup based thing too, where, you know, what, what, what does, what does this defense allow? What's working? It, it, could, it could, it could be kind of a every week sort of shuffle kind of thing. Yeah, I, I could see that. That's pretty much all we've got. We'll, we'll let you guys get to work on your Monday morning. Um, for Bill, obviously, great stuff. Again, read Bill over on SI. I'll have some stories in the coming days about this game and looking forward to next week. The Packers host the Atlanta Falcons, who might just want to fold the franchise after the last two weeks. I think they're the first team in NFL history to give up 16-point fourth-quarter leads twice in the same season, and they did it in consecutive weeks. So who knows if they'll have a new head coach when they trot into Lambeau Field on uh, another primetime game, Monday Night Football, next week. But I'll have my stuff up at The Athletic. You can still subscribe to us for, for $1 a month. It's a great deal. But until next Monday night, we will see you guys. As always, fire off with your questions on Twitter. We'll get to all of them. Next week, we'll have a Tuesday morning episode for you with a Monday night game. So until then, hope you guys enjoy your week. And thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody.